Welcome, Russell. I'm delighted to be in conversation with you today and to talk with you about leadership, in particular, the relationship between authenticity, trust and purpose. Yeah, so I think this idea of values, obviously, it's very deeply connected to purpose, but this idea of knowing yourself in order to know why you're here is so important. But what arguably is even more important is how that self, that authentic self, shows up in your leadership in order for other people to A, follow you, but also to trust you. And believe in you. Yeah. Through your behaviour, being aligned with the values and the beliefs. So it would seem to me that people can have a purpose, but people won't necessarily believe them. They may follow them, but they may not trust them. Mm. And we trust the people who we know are real and are true to their values and live those values through their behaviour. Yeah, I agree. And, it, and it's I, I always talk about this thing with leaders, making sure that their values are not just laminated and making sure that their organisational values are not just laminated and painted on the walls, but they're lived as well in reality. Mm-hmm. I love that story that uh, that you told the other week about a leader that you spent a day with and you asked him what his values were and he said, tell me at the end of the day what you think they are. And I yes. think that's a lovely example yeah. of that uh, that idea of living Uh, values and showing up in your behavior as a leader so others can trust you yeah and getting feedback from other Mm. people which is what he obviously asked for was give me feedback are my leadership behaviors representative of my values feedback to me what you see me doing and what you think underpins those behaviors i think it's an opportunity then to ask people would other people know what your values are from Mm. how you show up and behave as a leader every day Yeah, and that in itself is an act which can engender trust in others, isn't it? We we talked Mm. about the importance of vulnerability and a leader making themselves vulnerable by asking others Mm. to give them feedback that is really quite personal Mm. as well. Mm. And that's about being brave and about having the courage to ask for feedback that will help the leader grow and develop. And I think leadership can be quite lonely and that people are less ready to give feedback to leaders, particularly feedback about impact in terms of their behaviour and how their behaviour makes them feel, and indeed whether it makes them feel they are trusted. Mm. So trust seen the other way around, not just me trusting you because you're a leader, but do I feel trusted by you as my leader, is another way of thinking Mm. about trust. Mm. Do leaders look to have the people around them feel trusted, entrusted and valued? Yeah, I think there is a real danger today of leaders living in this echo chamber. And what I mean by that is there's a a tendency, you mentioned it being lonely at the top, and I think there's a tendency for people to tell leaders what they think they want to hear and therefore leaders spend their lives echoing their own thoughts and their own beliefs and they're not genuinely testing reality and I think this idea of making yourself vulnerable and asking others am I right in this am I seeing it Mm. correctly Mm. you know you're placing trust in other people by offering that and asking them for their opinion and which I think helps trust to spiral upwards in a positive way yeah yeah Definitely asking questions of people helps people to feel 
that the leader is interested in them, mm. is curious to know mm. more mm. about what they think and how they feel, mm. and that is to be encouraged for mm. sure. Mm. And to create an organisation which is a trust culture rather than a blame culture. So very often I think we both hear leaders and people in organisations talking about there being pockets of a blame culture. And I've been thinking about what is the opposite to a blame culture. Mm. Rather than talking about a blame culture, what's the opposite word? And I think it is a trust culture. A trust culture is one in which people do trust each other and support each other and challenge each other and help each other, collaborate with each other and look out for each other and create a community in which people feel valued and respected for who they are. Yeah, and I'd, I'd go a step further than that, actually. Mm. And I, I would say it's important to build a trust culture, but actually I think this idea of having people feel trusted can in some organisations be a thing that the leader just needs to do. And it's a thing that I need to do, you know, almost like a tick box. But actually, I think you can correlate it with performance. And Mm. if you can have a learning culture, which is a high performance culture. So if you combine trust, as you say, Mm. and the psychological safety that goes along with that, along with motivation and accountability and responsibility, if that's held in the right way by the leader, I think you can cultivate a learning culture where people are open to mistakes and are open to getting things wrong and will try things and will be open about it and talk about it and therefore continue to learn and grow in the process. So I think Mm -hmm. a trust culture, actually, I think you're absolutely right, but I think it can also be a learning and a performance culture. Yeah, that's good. Definitely, I think you're right that a learning and development culture is created by the willingness of the leader. And you were talking about you working with leaders and therefore having a bigger reach in an organisation through the leader being willing and the leaders, the Mm. leadership team Mm. or the leadership groups being willing to learn and grow Mm. and develop together Mm. with each other but also creating that kind of environment in which we're in this together, we're learning together, we're learning from mistakes, we're making mistakes and purposefully learning from them. Yeah, and celebrating them. Indeed. And so often we don't yeah, celebrate don't them, do we? we? Do. No, we don't. No, we we don't. Uh, in fact, I don't think in some organisations they celebrate successes, let alone yeah. celebrate mistakes. And I'm often encouraging leaders not only to celebrate their successes, but also to celebrate the failures in the context of learning from them mm. and growing mm. through them. And I think that all comes back to trust. It does, mm. yeah. Trust teams... You know, mm. almost creating... I know at the moment we're both thinking quite a lot about agile ways of working. And from what I know about agile working, it hinges on people trusting each other, as well as in following a process that really works. But it hinges on people having relationships with each other in which there's trust as well as bringing their expertise I agree. And I think where you see Agile done well, it's where of those 12 principles of Agile, it's those that fall under the banner of people that when they are emphasised and when they are 
done well, that's when Agile is successful. Mm-hmm. When you look at the data and you look at those teams that are less successful with Agile, they're putting business and process first and they're, they're putting people last or they're relying on legacy culture around how they manage their people, which is not conducive with that type of Agile approach where people should be trusting of each other to, to learn and grow together. I, I warm to it. I... I'm new to it and I'm liking learning about it myself. But also I like the notion of agile working requiring leaders to be and people to be both enablers and disruptors. And I wonder, Russell, in your role as a leadership development consultant working with leaders, whether you see your role as something of an enabler which is what you've alluded to in terms of your purpose, but also as a disruptor. Would you say you're a both and? I completely agree. <laughs> and I think, I think it's, it's very easy to get stuck in a way of being. And you need sometimes to have that disruption. I think you need that perspective. I talk about, I talk about the importance of colliding perspectives and you need that colliding perspective just to give you that jolt. Mm. But then also, and you know, you know this because we do it together with, uh, with the leaders that we work with, but you need that space then to make sense of what you found. Mm. Um, so mm. I, think, I think it's absolutely critical, yeah. Mm. yeah. I really like colliding perspectives because that resonates with me and my passion for inclusivity and diversity of thought. And when I think about colliding perspectives, that is about diversity of thought, different perspectives, standing in a different place, looking at something from a different perspective. Because I come from a different place, and maybe you come from a different place, and together we can create something new and exciting. Is that what you mean by colliding perspectives? Yeah, it is. It's having that different point of view. I talked earlier about leaders and a tendency to to be living in this echo chamber. And I think it's so important for leaders to test that version of reality, test your version of reality and get some different perspectives on what you're seeing and what you're hearing because it's going to be biased and we all know that. So that, that's where I was going with that. Yeah, it's, I think it's really important for, for leaders just to step back and just to, again, be vulnerable and to say and, and have the humility and humbleness to say, actually, I may not have all the answers here. Russell, you've mentioned severally vulnerability and leaders being able to be vulnerable. And also you touched upon psychological safety and the importance of psychological safety. And it seems to me that one of the most important jobs of a leader is to create the conditions in which people can be vulnerable, in which they can trust. And that is about psychological safety creating an environment which is safe enough for not only me to feel safe to trust, but also for you to be vulnerable with me and for us to seek each other out, ask for help and to learn from each other. Yeah, that's right. And there's a value in that. It's, I think, almost on trend for leaders to be talking about and placing importance on people bringing them their whole selves to work. We talk about it a lot, we see and we read about it quite a lot these days, but you know, there's a, there's a genuine value in that and there's a reason that we're talking about that. If you feel safe enough to be yourself and bring your whole self, 
Mm. You're not only bringing your whole self physically, but you're bringing your whole self mentally as well. And you're bringing that diversity of thoughts that is going to be of value to the organization. Mm. So I think it's it's really important, this, this, this idea of psychological safety. It's not just about doing the right thing for people and making sure that people feel good and feel comfortable in their environments. Um, it's, it's actually an important aspect of business performance as well. It always seems to come back to relationships and it always seems to come back to conversation. And mm-hmm. leaders have not just having conversation, but having the right conversations exactly. and having the courage and conviction to have some of those conversations that may be a little uncomfortable, but actually have a lot of benefit mm-hmm. um, and enable people, like you say, mm-hmm. to be open with one another and creating that environment where they can really be trusting of one another. Thank you, Russell. Really lovely talking with you. Likewise, thanks, Annie. Thank you. If you'd like to be part of my Leaders in Conversation series, then please do get in touch at annietownend.com. I look forward to hearing from you.